That's great. Thank you, uh, Reese. I've never been called a blaster in the past before. There's a first time for <laughs> everything, I guess. But it's uh, a, a real blessing for myself and my wife to be with you uh, today. Really, it's always a blessing uh, to come and uh, fellowship with you here at Calvary Chapel Cardiff. It's uh, nearly six years since the Lord moved us away uh, to Oxford, and I can honestly say that coming back in a very real way for both Amber and I uh, feels like coming home. And, um, you know, it's a different building than, than we had six years ago. There'll be a new building coming on, but as Reese uh, reminded us uh, a little bit earlier, you know, the church is not the building. Uh, the church is the people. And, um, you know, there's a saying which I'm sure you're all very uh, familiar with, uh, that you can take the boy out of Wales, but you can't take the whales out of the boy. Um, I think it's even more true that you can take the boy away from a church, but you can't take the church out of the boy. And uh, so it's a special privilege to be with you uh, today, um, and even more so because uh, of the Lord's uh, provision of a building uh, for the church, which when I heard the news, uh, was news of great joy uh, for us uh, to hear. There was a time when the entire of Calvary Chapel, uh, Calvary Chapel Cardiff could fit in a Vauxhall Corsa. <laughs> Not kidding. Uh, those first few weeks and months, uh, there was my mum, my dad, my sister. I was actually away at university, and uh, there was a, an elderly lady who lived locally. And we used to joke that uh, the church would arrive in the Corsa, the church would meet in the building, and then the church would all leave in the same Corsa. And, um, uh, but what a blessing it is uh, to see the faithfulness of God over these last 23 years, uh, and to see the faithfulness of God in the faces of each and every one of you uh, here uh, today. I want to thank Pastor Kevin uh, for the invitation uh, to be here and for the kind words that were spoken a little bit earlier at the dedication service. I think on behalf of uh, my entire family, uh, we uh, greatly appreciate that, and it was a great blessing uh, for us to share in that uh, with you. Uh, I'd also like to extend uh, my thanks to Pastor Kevin and Jody for their faithfulness uh, to the church here. Um, I think it's about 10 years around since they first moved to Cardiff, the first time around. Then they got kicked out of the country. Some of you will remember that. Not that they did anything wrong. It was not their fault. Uh, but the Lord brought them back. And uh, the Lord brought them back for a, a purpose. And I'm thankful to the Lord that they were faithful to heed that call. Um, and uh, we see the sort of fruitfulness uh, of that um, here today. I'm also thankful for the leadership here because as I look uh, around. Um, some of them I've known for 20 years, and I have to say it's uh, a real special blessing for me to see how the Lord has uh, raised up uh, these men from uh, young men uh, to mature men in the Lord. You know, there was a time when you couldn't get two words out of Reese in conversation, <laughs> let alone get Reese out the front uh, to uh, lead communion and to share the word as, as wonderfully as he did uh, this morning, and, and that's a special blessing to see, you know, for us. And so uh, we are blessed uh, to be here, and um, it is good to remember the past. 
It is good to remember and acknowledge God's faithfulness in the past. But it's also important that we don't live in the past. Um, It's important that we live in the present with what God has given us, uh, looking with fresh vision to the future that God has laid before us. And a new building for a church uh, marks a new beginning, a new season of church life and ministry that lays ahead. Uh, And that is tremendously exciting uh, to see what the Lord may do. There is great blessing uh, in the Lord's provision, uh, but there is also great responsibility that comes with that as well. And uh, there's one particular verse of scripture that's been on my heart these last uh, few weeks as I've had conversations with Kevin and um, it's been shared about how this whole building has uh, come around and, and God's faithfulness in and through his people uh, to bring God's purpose in that to pass. And, um, you know, that particular verse of Scripture, it's Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, and you might want to turn there. We'll be talking about it in a moment. Uh, but it's a reminder to us of how generous God is with his blessings toward us. We can think of God's generosity toward us in terms of spiritual things. How blessed are we to be able to call ourselves God's people? How blessed are we that God has brought us out of darkness into his most marvelous light? How blessed are we to know that our sins have been forgiven because Christ died for our sins? How blessed are we that we've been adopted into the family of God and we get to share fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ? We could go on and on and on talking about the spiritual blessings that God has given us in Christ. But God is not only generous in his spiritual blessings toward us, but he's also generous in his material blessings as well. Material blessings such as a new church building. It is a blessing from uh, the Lord. Now, one reason I think that God blesses us with material blessings is because God is a good God. And God delights to give good gifts to his children. But I also believe that ultimately God's material blessings are given to us for God's spiritual purposes. His material blessings are given to us for his spiritual purposes. Uh, And that is what I want to share with you and encourage you in this morning, focusing on this promise of God that is found in Philippians chapter 4, and verse 19, in which we read the words of the Apostle Paul, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, anyone who's been a Christian for any length of time will have come across that verse, and that's a verse that's often quoted It's a verse that you often find on, you know, your fridge magnets and your bookmarks and those kinds of things. Uh, It's a very popular verse, perhaps for very uh, obvious reasons, Uh, and, and rightly so. It contains a wonderful promise of God to his people. 
But it's also a verse that's often misunderstood and often misapplied uh, because it is often taken out of context. Uh, And so this morning as we, uh, or this afternoon or this evening, where are we in the day? I don't know. Disclaimer, this is my third church service today. And so we had Carrie Chapel card at Oxford this morning. I don't even know where I am. Um, I was uh, at Botley Baptist Church as well and then came straight down here. So this is service number three. So if I lose track of where I am, uh, that, that's my excuse. Um, but uh, we're going to just look at this, this promise and some lessons uh, that we can draw from this promise of God to us. Lessons that I hope and trust in the Lord will encourage uh, you all here today, uh, but also will we'll challenge you as we look to the future of God's purposes for this church. And so, let us just ask the Lord's blessing upon his word to our hearts. Father in heaven, we thank you uh, for your word to us today. We thank you for your goodness and your grace and your mercy toward each and every one of us. We thank you, Lord, for your provision And for this wonderful promise that you shall supply all our need according to your riches in Christ Jesus. And we ask as we have your word open before us this day, that by your spirit you would speak into our hearts, that you would minister to us, that you would encourage us, uh, that you would challenge us in the lives that you have laid before us. So Father, we come to your word this evening with thanksgiving in our hearts, and we ask that you would bless it to our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And so Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, we cannot really take this verse without understanding the context in which it comes to us. Now, in Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 10, all the way through to verse 20, which is right at the very end of this short letter, uh, Paul is writing what is in essence a thank you note to the church at Philippi, thanking them for a financial gift that they had sent to him by the hand of a messenger whose name was Epaphroditus. Now, this particular instance of financial support of the Philippians toward the Apostle Paul uh, was not the first time they had supported his gospel ministry in that way. The Apostle Paul had taken the gospel to the city of Philippi uh, some 10 years earlier on his second missionary journey. We read about that in the book of Acts chapter 16. Uh, When he arrived at Philippi, he preached the gospel. There were people who heard the truth of the gospel and they believed the truth of the gospel and were saved. And a church was established Uh, there in that city. There were some other things that happened, like Paul getting arrested and beaten and thrown in jail and all that good stuff. But a church was established there in the city of Philippi. And when Paul left Philippi, he headed south uh, onto the city of uh, uh, of Thessalonica and onto uh, Berea. And as Paul left, according to uh, this passage here in uh, chapter 4 and verses 15 and 16, the Philippians continued to support his gospel ministry financially as he left. And so the Apostle Paul, he headed south 
uh, from the northern area of Philippi, which is sort of modern-day Greece, the area of Macedonia. He headed south uh, to uh, Thessalonica and to Berea, and then on down to Athens and even on to Corinth. And throughout that whole time, uh, he was blessed to receive this generous support from the Philippian church. And so the Philippians were a generous people. The Philippian church was a generous church, and they had demonstrated their generosity through a consistent pattern of giving to support the gospel ministry of the Apostle Paul. Now, fast forward 10 years to the occasion of the writing of this letter. Uh, the Apostle Paul is no longer traveling around uh, preaching the gospel at different places because he'd been arrested and he'd been taken to Rome and he was under house arrest uh, there uh, in prison uh, on false charges of insurrection some 800 miles away from the city of Philippi. Uh, and he was chained to a Roman guard and he was awaiting trial uh, before Emperor Nero, a trial uh, which potentially could have led to his execution. Now, in the Roman system at the time, uh, prisoners who were under house arrest were expected to supply their own needs, their own food, their own clothing, uh, family, friends, or whoever it may be, were expected to uh, supply the needs of the people. And so the Apostle Paul, at this particular time of writing this letter, would have had very little by way of material things, relying solely on the support of anybody who would come and perhaps uh, give him a nice warm meal or uh, give him some warm clothes or that kind of thing. So Paul, at this particular time, he wasn't in a position of great material prosperity. Uh, on the contrary, uh, he had really a bare minimum of supplies in his own life. But the thing is, is that Paul at that time wasn't concerned about the material things. It didn't matter to Paul whether he had much or whether he had little. It didn't matter to Paul uh, whether, he was, uh, whether he was hungry or whether he was full. Uh, because, as he said uh, earlier in this chapter, he had learned how to be abased and how to abound. He had learned how to handle these things because his contentment was not in the material things of this world, but his contentment was in Christ. And as long as he had Christ, it didn't matter what his physical circumstances were, in Christ he was content. And he trusted in the providence of God that even though he was in prison at that time, that God would supply all his need according to his riches and glory. But when the Philippians heard that Paul was in prison in Rome. Uh, they were greatly concerned for him. And so they sent a member of their church, a man by the name of Epaphroditus, on the 800-mile journey from Philippi all the way to Rome to bring Paul a financial gift from the church, a financial gift that no doubt would have provided Paul with food uh, and with clothing and those basic necessities. And it was upon receipt of that gift from Epaphroditus that Paul then decided to write this letter back to the Philippians. And one of the reasons for him writing this letter was to say thank you to them, to thank them for their generous gift that they had given to him. And that's what he is doing at the end of this letter, chapter 4, verses 10 through 20. 
Now, having said all of that, the point then, by way of context, is simple. When we come to chapter 4, verse 19, and this promise of God, Paul is speaking this promise to a generous church. He has given this promise to a church that were a giving church, that were giving to the work of the Lord. And he says, in essence, to the Philippians, you have been faithful to supply my need. And so I know that my God will be faithful to supply all your need, according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 is indeed a promise of God's provision and a wonderful promise of God's provision. But it comes in the context of a church that was a generous giving church. The Philippians were faithful in their generous giving to the work of the Lord. And Paul encourages them that God would supply all their need as they continued in that generous spirit. And so, with that said then, looking at verse 19, just a couple of things to note. Notice, first of all, uh, the source of the promise that is given. Very simple, yet it must be noted. Paul said, and my God shall supply. And he goes on at the end to say, in Christ Jesus. And so the source of the promise, and indeed the source of the provision that the promise speaks of, is God Almighty himself. God who is the creator of all things. God who is the sovereign ruler over all things. God who is all-powerful, who is all-knowing. God who is love and who is giving and who is a generous God. The source of this promise is God for whom there is nothing that is impossible. For whom there is nothing that is too difficult. Because he has every resource that exists available to him. And so this is the God who makes the promise to supply all your need. And so the point there is very simple. Uh, and that is that God is able to supply. God is able. There is nothing that he cannot do. But there's a second point to make here about God because Paul just doesn't say, God, he makes a point of saying, and my God. Did you notice that in verse 19? And my God shall supply all your need. And so this was personal for Paul. God wasn't just any God, some distant God, some idea of God, some God out there in the ether somewhere. Paul could say, my God. And Paul could say, my God, because he knew God. 
He had a personal relationship with God because God is a personal God. And when any person comes to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they enter into a personal relationship with the living God. And anyone who is in Christ can also say with Paul, God is my God. It is a personal thing. And it is a wonderful thing. Now, why is that so important as it pertains to this promise? Well, it's because the fact that God is a personal God with whom we have a personal relationship, it means that God personally cares about each and every one of us. God is not impersonal. He's not out there distant and detached from his creation. God is a personal God who has come into this world in the person of Jesus Christ so that we might have a personal relationship with him because he cares and because he's interested and he wants to be involved in your life. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants what is best for you. And so God is not only able to supply our need, but God is also willing to supply our need because he loves us and he cares for us and he has a relationship with us and so Paul here then is saying to the Philippians you know my God who has faithfully provided all my needs through your generous provision my God is able to supply all of your needs and he's willing to supply all your need because God is not just my God, Paul said, but God is your God as well. And Paul's God was not only the Philippians' God, but Paul's God and the Philippians' God is our God here today. We can say he is our God. You can say he is my God. And so the source of this promise is God Almighty himself, God who is both able and willing to supply the need. And in the context here, we're talking of a generous church faithfully committed to giving to the Lord's work. And so the source of the promise, God himself. A second point then to note here in the, in the text is the sufficiency of the promise. Take a look again. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, my God shall supply all your need. Supply all carries the idea of filling up to completion, to completely meet. And it's a present tense, continually. God will continually meet your need. Now we have to explain this. It's important that we understand this. Firstly, that God is saying here that he will supply all our need, not all our greed. Mm. Okay? Paul is not saying that if you give to the work of the Lord, that the Lord in return will give you that Ferrari you've been coveting for the last 10 years. Or all of a sudden a check for a million pounds will turn up in the post. 
This is not a promise that God will give us all our greed. That is to say, everything that we want or that we think we want or that we think we need. But God will supply all our need. And it's worth making the point that there is often a big difference between what we want and what we need. And there's often a big difference between what we think we need and what we actually need, what God knows that we need. So this is not a promise that God will give us everything that we want, nor even that God will give us everything that we think we need, but it's a promise that God will supply all that he knows we need. Which brings us to a second point. What is my need? I think we all want to know the answer to that question, don't we? What is my need that God has promised that he will supply? Well, interestingly, it says need, not needs. It's a singular, it's not a plural. So so Paul has something singular in mind when he talks about God supplying our need. Now, the word need carries the idea of necessity. Okay, whatever is necessary, we might say. So God will supply whatever is necessary. Well, necessary for what? God will supply everything that is necessary to fulfill his calling upon my life. God will meet whatever need we have to live the life that he's called us to live, to do that which he has called us to do. Now, is he talking here about spiritual need or is he talking about physical or material need? Well, I think both of those things are included here. I think in the context, primarily, Paul has material needs in mind. Because the Philippian had, Philippians had blessed him with material things. And he is saying that God will supply all your need uh, in that sense. And so I think this promise encompasses both material and spiritual need. But when it comes to the spiritual need, and the spiritual is always greater than the material, by the way, There is a promise that God will supply all our material need, everything that we need to do what God has called us to do. But oftentimes, and I don't know if you've experienced this, we feel some kind of tension and thinking, well, Lord, actually, I I don't feel like you have, (laughs) right? You know, I mean, Lord, if you just gave me this or that, then I could do so much more, you know, for you. Anyone ever felt like that? Okay, we often do, don't we? And I think one thing we see in terms of God's spiritual supply is when um, his material supply is not exactly what we want or feel like we need. God will supply the spiritual need that we have to be content in what we have. This is something that the Apostle Paul learned. And this is something that each and every one of us as believers in the Lord Jesus Uh, need uh, to learn. Uh, Paul said earlier in that context in verse 13 that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
I can do all the things that God has called me to do through Christ who strengthens me. And verse 19 really is a parallel promise that God will supply all our need to do what he calls us to do. God will provide the strength that we need to do what he calls us to do, Philippians 4.13. God will provide all the material and spiritual need that we need to do what he calls us to do. And so with that being said then, I just want to share with you uh, four simple lessons that we can draw from this, which I, I hope will be uh, encouraging and, and perhaps in some ways challenging uh, to all of us here today. The first lesson we can draw from this is that God doesn't call his people to do things and then leave them without what they need to do it. God is both able and willing to supply all our need. And if you don't have it right now, you don't need it to do what God wants you to do today. Now think about that for a moment. If you don't have it right now, you don't need it right now in order to be faithful to the Lord and his calling upon your life. Now that truth can be something that's quite hard for us to accept at times. But nevertheless, it is also true. If God has promised to supply all our need to do what he has called us to do, then today God has not left you without what you need. And so often I think we want to do other things other than what God has called us to do. And we say, well, Lord, you haven't supplied the need for me to do this. And God is like, well, I haven't called you to do that right now. Maybe I'll call you to do that next week. And then I'll supply your need next week. Maybe it's next year and I'll supply your need next year. But right now, I have given you everything that you need to be faithful and obedient to what I've called you to do today. Reminds me of the words of Jesus. You know, do not worry about tomorrow. Today has enough troubles of its own. Right? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness today. Let the Lord take care of tomorrow. And so, lesson number one, you know, if you don't have it, you don't need it today. The second lesson here is that when God does provide... In, in a greater way. It's because you need that greater supply to fulfill his calling in the new season that lies ahead. And, and this, I think, is a particular point relevant at this juncture in the life and ministry of Calvary Chapel Cardiff. Because the Lord has provided a building. After 23 years of prayer to that end, uh, the Lord, in his goodness and in his faithfulness, has provided a building. But you know what that means? It means that you as a church need that building to fulfill God's will and purpose for this church. God is supplying a need according to his will and purpose. And so with great provision comes great blessing and indeed, we rejoice and we give thanks to the Lord for his provision. But with great 
blessing also comes great responsibility. Yes, we rejoice in answered prayer. We give thanks to God for his generous provision. But we must recognize that God gives it for a purpose. God's material blessings are given to us for his spiritual purposes. And as a church, you have a responsibility to steward that provision well for the building up of the Lord's church, for the furtherance of his kingdom, and for the glory of his name in this city. It's a great privilege, but it is also a great responsibility to make the most of it for the glory of the Lord. There's a third lesson that I want to draw from uh, this verse. Uh, and that is to acknowledge that the Lord provides for his church oftentimes through his people. <coughs> that the Lord's generosity toward us comes to us by way of his people. Uh, and in here in the testimony of how this building has come about, uh, it is a great blessing to hear of the generosity of so many people in so many ways that have enabled this to happen. And while Paul in this passage recognized that his financial provision came through the Philippians, he recognized that they were vessels of the provision that ultimately came from God. You see, God so often supplies the needs of his people through his people. And it's a great blessing to be on the receiving end of that provision. And we give thanks to the Lord for that. But I want to encourage you here today not to think, okay, that's it. God's given us all that we need, so nothing more is needed. Because on the contrary, being a recipient of the generosity of God should result in us being even more generous with what the Lord has given us toward the work of the Lord. Whether it's with our money, whether it's with our time, whether it's with our gifts, to commit to using those things and being good stewards of all of those things for the building up of the church, for the furtherance of God's kingdom and for the glory of the Lord. And in that, we recognize that God's provision has come through his people, but it is God's provision that ultimately has come from God. We are recipients of that provision through God's people, but let us all also be givers of that provision to the church and to others. And finally... A fourth lesson that we can uh, draw here in context is that don't think by giving generously to the work of the Lord that that means that you will 
really ultimately lose out and, and miss out. There is great blessing in giving. There is great blessing in giving. And that's what Paul, in essence, is saying to the Philippians. You have sacrificed to give to me, but don't worry about it. You're not going to lose out because you've given. My God will supply all your need. Now, that supply may be financial, if that's what's needed. It may be spiritual, if contentment is what is needed. But nevertheless, the Philippians wouldn't miss out and they wouldn't suffer because they would abide under the blessing of God because of their generous commitment to the work of the Lord. Remember, Jesus said the words, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And something my dad always used to say when it comes to giving is that it, it's impossible to outgive God. We're to be good stewards of the resources that he's given to us, remembering 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. May we be a church of cheerful givers unto the work and the ministry of the Lord. And so, God's promise here then is really one of sufficiency. The context is that of generosity towards the work and ministry of the Lord. And as we are generous in our giving to the work of the Lord, we can come to this verse with confidence. We can take hold of this promise that God will supply all our need, that he will supply everything that we need in order to live the life that he has called us to live. And if there is any doubt out about that at all, Notice the certainty, really, at the end of verse 19, because this promise to supply our need is according to his riches in glory. His riches in glory. It's a phrase we read several times in the New Testament, and it's kind of, the word riches, it, it, it almost pictures like a bank account. And you think about God's bank account and how much money God has, if you want to put it in that, how, how much wealth God possesses. God, the creator of all things, God, the eternal God, and, 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 and how wealthy he is. I mean, you know, that, that's just, you know, you look out into the universe, right, and you just see how vast it is, you know. And such is the, the, the riches of the glory uh, of God. And so we've already mentioned God is able to supply all our need, and he's willing uh, but here, Paul emphasizes the extent of that ability. It's according to his riches in glory, and it comes to us by Christ Jesus. And so, God is not broke. God is not on the verge of bankruptcy. God doesn't need your money, but God loves a cheerful giver. And this promise is certain because it is according to the riches of his glory. And that is so vast and so great and so wonderful. And it comes to us by Christ Jesus, in whom, Colossians 2, verse 3 tells us, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so, having said all of this and after 
sharing this promise of the Lord with the Philippians, there's only really one place you can go after that. And today, as we've been to the new building and we see what the Lord has provided and we look to the future, there's really only one place that we can go. Uh, and that is verse 20. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. How can we do anything but respond in praise to the Lord for his goodness, for his grace, for his love, and for his abundant provision? And Paul's God was the Philippians' God, and the Philippians' God is our God today. He's the same God. And the same promises that were true for them are the same promises that are true for us because God doesn't change and his word endures forever. And so I'm so thankful to the Lord for his provision for this church. And I am excited to see what the Lord is going to do in and through all of you in the weeks, months, and the years ahead. May he use you greatly and mightily for his glory here in this city. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you today for your wonderful grace and for your wonderful provision for the need of this church. And I would ask your blessing and pray your blessing to be on Pastor Kevin and Jody and the leadership team here and each and every person that calls Calvary Chapel Cardiff their home. May you bless them abundantly according to your riches in glory. May you use them to be encouragers of one another, strengthening one another as they seek to grow more into the image of Christ together unto your glory. And may you use them to make a great impact for the sake of the gospel here in this city. And as we look up out upon that community of Pomprenai and the expanding um, developments that are taking place there, Lord, I just pray that Calvary Chapel Cardiff would be a beacon of hope and light and witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ to every single one of those people in that community. Lord, would you add unto the church daily those who would be saved. Would you build your church? Would you bring in the people? May they hear the good news of Jesus Christ. May they respond to the good news of Jesus Christ by turning from their sin and putting their faith and trust in Jesus. Father, we thank you for your provision. We pray that you would use it for your glory in and through your people. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.